Welcome to Present Company, the Netflix podcast that brings you dynamic conversations with exceptional people behind your favorite series, films, documentaries, and specials. I'm your host, Krista Smith. For years, I was Vanity Fair's ambassador to Hollywood, interviewing countless actors as well as creatives and authorities across the spectrum. My passion is talent, any form of it. How do you know you have it? How do you cultivate it? How do you protect it? And also, I want to get to the heart of what drives it. On this podcast, I'll be talking to people in Hollywood and far beyond. Thank you for joining me. Today, I'm talking to Jarrell Jerome, who, despite being only 21 years old, has already been in a Best Picture Oscar winner, Moonlight. And that, in fact, was his very first time on a film set. Now he stars in When They See Us, the limited series executive produced, directed, and co-written by Oscar nominee Ava DuVernay. It's a devastating account of the events surrounding the teenagers labeled as the Central Park Five, who were falsely accused of raping and assaulting a woman in 1989. It's all here. Jerome's life growing up in the Bronx how he coped with filming this traumatic true-life story, and the unique pressures facing young actors in the age of social media. First of all, Jarell Jerome, your name is so fun to say. <laughs> yeah, it has a ring to it. You've had quite a couple of years. I think I'm accurate in saying your first feature was Moonlight, Very correct? first, yep, my very first feature. First time on a film set, actually, in general. Yeah. And that camera. must have been an amazing ride that um, culminated in an Oscar uh, in yeah. 2016, I think it was, <laughs> yeah, in the was. most crazy Oscar ceremony uh, upset or mix-up, however yeah. um, you look at that. Tell me a little bit about that night. Um, well, it kind of goes perfectly with how my life was ending up, um, which was pretty much a roller coaster ride uh, of twists and turns that I never expected. Uh that night was unreal because to be there in general was a dream and was uh it it just felt like i was dreaming um it was my very first project it was my very first time on a film set and when i was doing the film uh, i had no idea what the impact was going to be i understood the quality of the work and who i was working with i knew that the caliber was going to be something beautiful i just didn't know the impact and so <laughs> when it all started to happen, um, yeah, I felt like I fell asleep for a very long time <laughs> and I still haven't <laughs> woken up. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm at the Oscars and my mom is a block away at the A24 viewing party. And so we're both in L.A., just two New Yorkers holding on tight, trying to figure out how to go through the night. And regardless of how the night ended up, I was there, you know. So for me, it wasn't about the win or the loss. Um, I knew that we were up for Best Picture. I knew that somehow, some way that my first project could win a Best Picture. Um, but just to be there was satisfying enough. Um, and then <laughs> the moment happens where I kind of lose first. And it's like kind of losing everything <laughs> all at once. You have all these expectations. You're like, maybe I'll get up on the stage and then boom, it's all gone. And my mom was actually texting me. She was, my phone was buzzing in my pocket and I'm looking down and I'm trying to fight back. You know, I don't want to show emotion <laughs> and I don't want to show, I don't want to seem like a sore loser now. So I'm looking down on my phone and my mom's texting me. She's saying, breathe, you got this. Um, you won. It's okay. Um, 
just you know just words to keep me calm and to keep me okay and i was like all right yeah she's right and i mean so it's, it's gonna be okay i get to see her after we'll party we'll be all right and then this is all happening within the two minutes that everybody's going on stage and the la la land cast and crew are talking and then this guy comes out of nowhere and starts to interrupt them and say no moonlight actually won and I'm thinking this is like a Kanye West moment where it's like, no, nah, no, nah. you know, Moonlight should have won. It deserved to win. But then it started started to become real life. And it took um, one of the actresses from Lion who was sitting behind me. Lion was the film that was going up for the best picture at the time, too. She was sitting behind me and she thrusted me up. She was like, go, this is happening. This is real. If you if you Google um, Drudge Rome Oscar reaction, <laughs> you'll see the funniest picture of me just looking so bewildered and confused and i'm holding my it was my um it was my mom's screensaver for a while just my <laughs> my head i'm just holding my head in shock and i couldn't move i couldn't move i felt like it was again a dream you know a dream and a dream and a dream and a dream mm-hmm. it just kept adding up so weird how does my first time making a film end up being my first time at the oscars which ends up being the first time somebody flubbed and messed up at the oscars you know um anyway all of that mumbo jumbo all in one you know and did you grow up watching the oscars you grew up in the bronx right yeah i grew up in the bronx so i mean the oscars weren't like you know the super bowl of the world series in the house but um it was definitely something i got into when i was in high school because i started acting a lot in high school and that's kind of where it all um started for me um pretty recent actually um when i was 13 14 years old and so you you went to fame right the famous yeah i went to LaGuardia high school Um, do they have uh any of the pictures of the wall uh, pictures on the wall of the movie at all or of any of that they're very proud they're very proud they have all the uh pictures of the movie they have pictures of alumni you know a lot of people went there robert Mm -hmm. de niro spent time there al pacino went there um so it was just that, that's where it all started for me. I was in the Bronx my whole life up until high school. I was, you know, just your kid trying to be somebody. I know I, I know that I wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer. That was the original plan, I think. I think. I didn't really know. President. I don't, I don't know what it was. Anything fancy that helped me graduate school. You know, I just wanted to be the first in my family to graduate college. That was the plan growing up. And so um, by the time I was... A teenager in 13, 14, I wanted to go to high school, but I wanted to go to high school outside of the Bronx. I didn't really want to be in the neighborhood that I was in. It was, it was very limited. A lot of, um, a lot of bad things can, you know, it just wasn't the place I wanted to spend four years growing up in, um, in terms of high school. So, um, you know, my mom threw out the idea of acting and and becoming an actor and trying out for performing arts schools because I always had this jokester quality to me. I'm always trying to be a clown and life of the party. And so mm-hmm. um, it was just a an idea, you know. And so I auditioned for all the performing arts schools throughout the city, including LaGuardia, just out on a limb, me and my mom for months going to different um uh, acting coaches and just figuring I didn't even know what a monologue was before I had to read one to these mm-hmm. people so uh, it was just a whole learning experience and I was learning um I mentioned my mom a lot because we're just so close I'm a huge mama's boy you know mm-hmm. she she raised me what's her um, name our, her name is actually Radojka Jerome but people call her D. Uh, D she has a Russian name but she's a Dominican woman it's very interesting she um I just pride myself in um being a mama's boy just just because um Everything that I am now is, is because of her. Um, 
of course, and my father and my sister. We grew up in the same house, but my mom really shaped me into the person I am today. But um, anyway, so yeah, we're going through those months and I ended up auditioning for the schools and I got into every single school I had applied for. Um, I guess they saw something. And so I ended up choosing LaGuardia because it was the fame school and yeah, good a choice. lot of good prestige yeah. to it. So um, I knew that if I wanted to take it seriously, I, going there was a good move. And it absolutely was. Um, very thankful for going to high school there. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, it was very hard for me. I was... The, Any other kids from the Bronx? Yeah, that's, yeah, no. It no. was very hard for me. I, I was one of four kids from the Bronx. So it was cool to know that four of us made it because I know a lot of kids from the Bronx auditioned for those type of schools. But mm-hmm. it's very hard because um, they they take grades very seriously too and, and, and education very seriously. Mm-hmm. And so it sucks when you might come from a school in the Bronx that doesn't treat education too well and you have that talent though and you have that raw energy, but sometimes it doesn't kind of... Um, luckily for me... Um, my mom whooped my butt. She made sure I got good grades. Uh, and um, my dad was very serious about grades. So my grades c- were kind of up to par with everything. So I got accepted into LaGuardia. And I was one of four kids from the Bronx. And I was one of three black kids. And I was one of two Latinos. So um, it was the first time I'd felt out of place in my entire life. You know, I grew up in the Bronx around Spanish, Latino, Albanians, Muslims, it, endless, mm-hmm. endless amount of people and cultures. And it's a blessing definitely to be around so many different cultures and and see so many different people. And then I get plopped into a high school where all the kids are from Midtown Manhattan and Park Slope, Brooklyn, and Mm -hmm. all these um, wealthy areas where they've been acting since they were two, three. Mm -hmm. They've been on Broadway stages already. They can, everybody in my class knew how to sing. Mm -hmm. Everybody. I'm Mm -hmm. not kidding. Everybody but me. And I remember my first week of school, we had a singing exercise and the teacher made everyone separately sing the note and I could not. And I was one of the last ones to sing. And I remember my chest getting, it was caving in more and more the more I would see another person sing it well. And then these guys were going, I was like, all right, come on. My new homie doesn't know how to sing. Come on. He doesn't know how to sing. (laughs) And now he's singing beautifully. And I'm like, oh, my God. What did I miss? Did I miss the whole? And so. um, Now, are you tone deaf or is it just so intimidating? No, I can can sing a little now. I trained a bit. I can, like, hold a pitch, hold a little note, (laughs) harmonize a little bit. But um, I'm not tone deaf, thankfully. It's just I never sung. I just never tried to sing. And mm-hmm. I would rap. I I love rap. I freestyled. If 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 it was ever something poetic, it would be a rhyme or a mm-hmm. fast rhyme. So I would never sing. Um, so I got to the school with all these singers and all these actors, and I just felt like the little kid in the hoodie in the corner, just learning and 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 receiving all the information. I loved it so much. Learning what improv was, because to me it was to me it was like my life. To me. When you grow up in the hood or you grow up somewhere like the Bronx, you're always improvising, you know, Mm -hmm. you're always acting. You always Mm got to change yourself for somebody, you know, whether it's being on the train and having to look tough because you don't want anybody to mess with you. Or if it's going to high school with all these kids and trying to not seem like the the hood rat or, or whatever you might be placed as. So... Yeah, that just the whole beginning of my high school experience was almost like your classic oh high school is terrifying um then I found my way through the acting like I started to gain some respect by doing the shows I started to gain respect by playing um parts so uh 
my teacher would always say it was genuine. Every time I would go on stage, everything was genuine. And um, I think my peers would also see that too. So through the acting and through what I was performing, I was actually getting respect in the school. And people were seeing me as an actor and an artist rather than, you know, th- the kid from the Bronx. And, how, yeah. how many people reached out? of your class or teachers when you're at the Oscars with Moonlight or just the whole awards basically experience because started at film festivals I mean it's a good six months from that you're in in the news and play I did Moonlight two months after I graduated high school so it was it was yeah I graduated high school and I went to college for I was in college for a year and a half, but I was only in school for two months before I auditioned for Moonlight. And so it was kind of right after high school where there's articles about, you know, newcomer Jerome Jerome gets added to cast, (laughs) including Mahershala Ali, Naomi Harris and all this. So, yeah, the the messages came right away from from all (laughs) angles. People I knew, people I didn't know, people I wanted to know but didn't know, you know, it came, it came, uh, came quick everything mm-hmm. just came so fast and i i would have graduated this past weekend with all my friends i was i was the class of 2019 if i would have stayed in school so all my friends just graduated pretty much and it's the weirdest feeling i mean mm-hmm. it's it's really cool to know where i'm at now i feel like i graduated like the school of life but i would have had the cap and gown you know mm-hmm. i would have been this part of you wish you had that if you could yeah. do parallel lives i think so yeah i didn't think that i would think that you know when i was in school i was like damn i can't wait to get out i can't wait to be this and that and it's a blessing being here but i miss yeah i miss where i came from and i miss all my friends from school and just the feeling of not having that real life pressure just the pressure of you know the test and the girl next door you know those pressures were nice now it's now everything seems like it's times a million and it it could be scary you know so some some of me wishes i had that cabin going on you know well that kind of feeds perfectly into this project which is right ava duvernay which i feel we all owe a debt of gratitude. She's just unbelievable mm. what she has been able to do with the story she tells and making audiences just re-examine what they thought yeah. or a preconceived notion. And at first when I saw the, when they see us, I didn't quite understand because mm. I was like, oh, this is the Central Park Five and... Uh, you know, in when you hear the project being talked about, and then it's like, oh no, it's when you see us. It makes mm-hmm. such sense when you now, see it. Yeah, when, when I've you, seen when it, and it, just right. knowing these boys, obviously as individuals and as kids, really. Mm. Did you know about this case growing up in New York? Um, was yeah, it any? Was it, was, it part of a conversation? It was at part. All? Of, it was yeah. It was part of a conversation. It was sort of a story among other stories. You know. When you, growing up, there was countless stories like that, mm-hmm. whether it was in the news or not. So um, their story was definitely known as the most historic one or, or the biggest one. But um, in terms of the in-depth idea of the story and, and the, everything about it, I didn't know it. No, not mm-hmm. until Ava brought it to my attention, which is like most of my friends my age. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, the Central Park Five. Yeah, I heard about that. Um and it goes with just, you know, be polite with police officers, nod, and and, and don't reach for your wallet and, and, and things like that. But, yeah, we I, I, I never knew the story of these five men as, mm-hmm. as the individuals that they are. And you are in a unique position in this series because you play Corey Wise mm-hmm. and you play him 
throughout the entire series, both young yes. and when he's incarcerated. And we see him literally grow up mm-hmm. in front of in front of our eyes. All in and one episode. Right. I was so impressed. I don't mean to be sycophantic, but I was so <laughs> impressed by your performance. There was such a level of terror and optimism at the same time. Like you you managed to sustain a, a bit of humanity in these horrific circumstances that were so challenging to watch and understand what's going on and the way she shot it and the wow. background noises. It was you felt like you were there. And thank you so much. As an audience member, I felt like I was with Corey on that experience and mm. you're so young. How did how did you get there? How did Ava take you through this? Like I'm so curious. Um just so many questions. Like yeah. how did you cope with it? The information, just the injustices. It's very challenging. Mm-hmm. It, it's haunting. It's terrifying. It this experience was by far the hardest thing I've had to go through. Um, especially mentally speaking. Uh Growing up, I was lucky enough to just be surrounded by love and support and family. Um, no serious police altercations. Um, so I was very naive. You know, I was very happy-go-lucky until this project kind of brought me to reality and made me realize that I, I do have to look over my shoulder. Um, meeting Corey Wise was what kept me grounded in this project, spending time with him being in his presence is how I got to where I got to. Um, aside from the few scars on his face, you cannot tell that he spent time in solitary for more than eight years. This man is so funny. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. so he's so polite, kind, strong. He'll, he'll come up to you right now and he'll be like, baby girl, what's up? How you doing? Mm-hmm. You're a queen. You look mm-hmm. like a queen. He'll call you a queen. Um, that's who he is. And... I actually didn't even spend a lot of time speaking about the dark side of his life. We didn't um, get too in-depth. He told me a couple stories, um, but he would never dive into the pain of it. And he never had to for me to learn everything. The pain is in the script. The Mm -hmm. pain is in the story. Even for you um, as a viewer, you didn't have to dive into the character to feel that character and to feel that emotion and that pain. And that's what Ava did. She, in the script, it, it does it so well. So, you... Amazing, because these are the words of the men. Mm-hmm. You know, they, nothing in the script or nothing in the show that you see is falsified or or turned into Hollywood or or used for the movie aspect of it. You know, everything is genuine. Everything is from their words. So I didn't need to ask Corey what it was like to be assaulted or hurt mm-hmm. in prison. It was mm-hmm. there in the script, and it was there in in the footage on the media coverage and, and just seeing that. Think about this. The only time you can really see Corey Wise is behind that desk uh, lying about raping somebody, mm-hmm. you know. That's really the only footage I got to to use to study him. Aside from that, I had to know him and I had mm-hmm. to be in his presence to find that youth. I think 16-year-old Corey is still inside Corey Wise now. He's mm-hmm. still there fighting and swinging and, and, and having mm-hmm. a good time in Harlem. Um it was actually much harder to play young Corey than older Corey. It was much harder to get into the scenes where he's happy with Lisa mm-hmm. and the scenes where he's eating the chicken and mm-hmm. having a good time and running in the park, just knowing where it ended up and knowing where it actually led to. 
the scene outside the barbershop. I don't want to, I don't know if I can spoil stuff, but the scene outside the barbershop, mm-hmm. when you see it, um, doing that scene was so heartbreaking because it was hard to even get, it was all, I can't even explain it. I get overwhelmed thinking about it now, but <clears throat> it's all there, you know. I get the question of how did you do it? How did you get into those dark places? Mm-hmm. It's all there. Usually as an actor, your job is to create the world, create the character, create this image for somebody, but the image is there. It's so broken and heartbreaking and dark and it's already there. It's it's, it's for me to jump into, not for me to create. And so jumping into it is what I had to allow myself to do. And I was terrified to do it. But like I said, I met Corey Wise the day of the table read. So I met him weeks before we even shot. She brought the real men to the table read. All four of them, all five of them, four of them showed up because Kevin was in Disneyland, which is <laughs> awesome. But um, four of them showed up. And so when I was reading Corey Wise out loud for the first time to people, it was with Corey right next to me. Um, and then after the table read, he was crying. And he looked at me. He said, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm happy. This is not a story of... He goes, this is not a story of my darkness. This is a story of my light. This is my power. I forgot what he said. I was so overwhelmed, but he said, this is my power story. And he took the chain off of his neck and he put it on my neck. And he said, you're the king now. You're Corey Wise. Wow. And so from that moment on, I knew my responsibility and I knew the job I had. Mm -hmm. Finally, people are going to see them as, you know, not just a headline, but as as people as kids i mean i i I was so touched by that you know the scene when the guard says say kid hey kid and Corey goes oh i like it when you call call me kid kid." and you're you realize like he's just a kid it's Mm -hmm. it's it's really intense but it's um even when you start to see him get older i recently rewatched it i've probably seen it a million times at this point but i recently rewatched it and that was the heartbreaking thing to me too as i was watching him I say him because sometimes I, I can't even see myself mm-hmm. in it. I detach myself. Mm-hmm. But watching him grow up, he was still such a baby and still mm-hmm. so young compared so young. to everyone around him, compared to everything mm-hmm. that he was involved with. What was it like? It sounds like such a cliche to ask, but I'm. what was it like going through that with Ava? And I know I'd read that she actually had, you know, crisis hotlines available yeah. for people because the material is, is it's overwhelming. It's very hard to process, especially... Yeah. You're literally in a jail cell probably for eight hours, whether mm-hmm. you're shooting nights. I mean, you are immersed in, <laughs> in that. Pr- yeah. Real prisons, too. I don't know if you knew. But a couple of the sets were actual, oh, real really? active prisons where we were walk- where we had to sign in, take our shoelaces off, take our belts off, leave our phones behind. Uh, and there were inmates, you know, right in the next corridor walking past us. Mm-hmm. We had to hold and stay still as the as officers would lead them into their next corridor. So... Yeah, eight, twelve to twelve hours of that. Did you ever find yourself needing that counseling, or needing, or getting that from Ava, or did she take? I'm just curious yeah. what that day to day, the little minutia, mm-hmm. not the broad mm-hmm. strokes, but the little, the little things. My my therapist was Corey Wise for the project. He 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 kept me calm. Um, mm-hmm. I needed to to see him to feel better to know he's right here. He's okay. He's happy and smiling and proud of me. Um, I never, yeah, I never picked up the phone to call the crisis um, hotline, but to know it was there was was 
enough you know when when it's not there and you, you don't think it's there i think you'll freak out a little more and, and, and you'll be like damn i don't know if i could do this today but to know it was there and to know that ava was there ava's mama bear you know mm -hmm. ava is ava is more than a director to me she is a mentor and inspiration a friend to me to me she is um a protector she helped me so much beyond just playing Corey. she's taught me so much in terms of professionalism in terms of how to be a man i really think that and my mom says it too now i grew up just doing the show you know i went from little boy to i i sounds cliche but a man you know and mm -hmm. in the in the three months of doing the show physically speaking as well i worked out for the project um i was a little skinny bean mm -hmm. before and i had to put on a couple pounds to show the jail weight then mentality speaking like i said i was naive before and now i i just see things a lot differently and i think in a positive way um i think it's okay to not be 100 naive it's actually mm -hmm. really okay to not be naive in today's world um so yeah in all those ways the show and, and it was because of Ava. You know, Ava made that easy for me. There's a picture of me in the courtroom where she has her hands on my shoulders and I'm kind of bent over and I got um, asked what was Ava saying in that moment. She wasn't saying a word. She didn't have to say a word. Mm -hmm. She would just put her hands on my shoulders and we would just breathe. And she would be like, you ready to go again? And I might say no, I might say yes, but she would just be there until I answered. And that's, that's the kind of director she is. She knew the type of work this was going to be for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, even for the people playing the judges and the, and the cops and the prosecutors, we forget about them. They, they had a challenge as well to get into that animalistic mindset. And I say animalistic because that's the word they love to use in, mm -hmm. in the script. To get into that mindset of, of evil and manipulation wasn't easy. So for everybody in the cast, from from the boys to them to Ava to the crew who's just watching over and over, people cry and, mm -hmm. and scream, you know, everybody. It, it was very dark um, a couple times. But with Ava there and with just the presence of the men, it was, it was okay, you know. This mm -hmm. is celebrating. This is not pain. I imagine there were some some very hard days. Yes, uh, extremely. But I've never quite, and someone so young, I've never quite seen, and I've seen a lot of movies and a lot of performances and a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've never quite seen such a such a well in someone so young uh, as yourself. Oh, that's crazy. It's like old soul, maybe. I mean, that doesn't <laughs> even seem to do it justice. It's wow. That's um, an incredible compliment. Thank you very much. Well, um, you're welcome very much. I I think it's where I'm from, how mm -hmm. I'm raised. Um, who and I Ava was raised saw it by. Clearly, yeah. clearly she saw it. Yeah, she she definitely was shocked when she saw me in person because I don't know if you know the story of my of my beard with this whole process. Mm -mm. So. The whole magic trick is the beard. That's the trick. It's when when I have the beard, I'm 30. When I don't, I'm 10. So <laughs> it's the beard. And I had auditioned for young Corey. That was the original plan mm -hmm. was to play young Corey. And there was going to be another actor to play old Corey. And so I auditioned via self-tape because I was down in Charleston, South Carolina, where I'm at now shooting a TV series. And my character has the beard. So... In terms of the contract, I had to keep the beard, and I could not shave it for months. <laughs> and so I'm like, damn, they're going to cast this part. Oh, and I can't get this part simply because the beard that mm -hmm. I have on my face. Anyway, uh, months pass, and Ava had not cast yet. And so 
my management team called her and if she was in Beijing we were gonna go out to Beijing she was no matter where she was thankfully she was in New York City so I was headed there and so I shaved pretty much like on the flight shaving landed went in to see her and did the young part and she was stunned when she saw me she goes how old are you for real like what 30 31 I said Ava Ava no I'm 20 years old and she was like what you look so young now but I thought you were much older with the beard and so I did the young part um and then she gave me size for older Corey. And it shocked me because I was like, I just shaved my face. Mm-hmm. I just shaved my face. Why would you give me the older Corey? <laughs> and I think it's because she had an idea in that moment. And so I went downstairs, ran. It was actually the scene where uh, he finds out that his brother passes. Mm-hmm. So very hard, very last minute. But I, I did my best. And I went back upstairs with the knowledge I knew of Corey at the time, which was nowhere near what I know now. Um, but I went up there, did it. She called me the next night and she was like, I'm just very <laughs> impressed with how you can look so young, but also be so old. And I don't, I don't know, the whole mix of that. And then she goes, so I have a challenge for you <laughs> if you are willing to take it. And I was like, challenge? I was like, I'll take the young Corey. I'll take the part, Ava, just say it. <laughs> she goes, I will give you young Corey, but I will also want to offer you older Corey. And I would love for you to be the only actor who plays it entirely. Yusuf Salam, the real Yusuf, came up to me. And after he saw the show, and he actually told me that I made him understand Corey Wise in ways he never did before. And I made him realize that he was in heaven the whole time while he was in prison compared to what Corey went to. And he said Mm -hmm. that word for word. He said, I was in heaven. Mm -hmm. I realized that we were all in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so um, Ava wanted to highlight that pain that Corey went through. Mm -hmm. So she offered me both to kind of keep it all in one what episode. A privilege what a privilege. Such a privilege. So such young. an honor. I dropped my phone. I really did. I, like one of those movie moments where it's like, <gasps> and then your phone drops. Mm-hmm. I dropped my phone. I had to pick it up. And I, had, I was like, sorry. Yes, <laughs> I'll take, take the part. What do you hope the call to action is or for people that are watching this and it's just the frustration builds mm-hmm. and you know that this scenarios like this are happening right now. What do you hope audiences and people take away from from living this really through? Yeah through this series um such a loaded question because there's so many answers to Mm -hmm. me i think there's so much i want people to take away um first taking action and actually taking action you know whether it's the smallest thing to the biggest thing the second nisi Nash wrapped she became an ambassador for the innocence project and so that's something major but it could be something as simple as like the homies on my block right now just having a conversation about incarceration or or the system we, I mean, there's so much to talk about in today's world that and there's so many stresses and there's so many things that we can bring up that'll anger us, but we don't talk about incarceration enough. Mm-hmm. I see it now as modern day slavery. And, oh, the, I, and, the, and I think it is. The corruption. The, the corruption. The, that was what's the worst, equally as horrible stuff is happening inside as it's yes, happening outside to right. these kids. It's terrifying. And they're not alone. You know, today there are men in solitary sitting there for, for, maybe stealing toilet paper at the grocery store, you know, um, for minor offenses or even for doing nothing. And they're there today. All of these privately owned prisons are mm-hmm. even worse, where it's just men throwing money at a ton of guards saying, great, let's let's just do whatever we want. And there's videos that, oh, my God, while working on the project, I dove into um, the worst of videos of just inmates being hurt and inmates being chained up and stabbed and mm-hmm. It was turning my gut 
and I'm not advising everybody just go and watch all of those because it hurts so bad, but to be aware of those. Mm. We know what prison is. We know we don't want to go there, but we don't know what it is. We don't know what is in there. And, and I think if we all, especially the younger generation, we weren't just like, F the police, screw the cops, man. Mm -hmm. they, they, they're, the, they're, the man they're the mean ones, whatever. If we just opened up our hearts and opened up our books and and studied up on what we are hating on and what we are actually fearing because we can hate all we want but if we don't know what we're hating we it's not going to turn into anything mm -hmm. so for sure going out there and speaking on it and talking about it um also actually seeing these men for mm -hmm. who they are mm -hmm. i think the central park five name should should be in the, in the past and should mm -hmm. be in the dirt i think it's now raymond kevin antron yusuf and corey um, and I hope that the world sees them as that mm -hmm. after this project. Um, art is medicine, you know, art mm -hmm. imitates life. And I think that the best thing we can do as artists is tell stories like these today. Um, so if I can also inspire young actors or, or young, especially young black actors um, to try their best to focus on projects like these and find the way, even if it's like, dang, they're not around. So let's write them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> let's sit and let's write them. Ava is a leader, so I want her to lead so many people. I don't mm -hmm. want her to lead two or three other ones, other great directors. I think that projects like these are so important, and I hope that there's a large amount of young talent watching and inspired to make the next one. Mm -hmm. you know? well, well, I'm really glad that you decided not to become a doctor. <laughs> you are like the, what was it, the youngest, oldest person I've ever met. Yeah, I, just sitting here with you for 30 minutes, I feel so comfortable and like I know you, uh, even though you. we're just meeting. But you have a real accessibility um, and thank depth you so to you, much. which is lovely to see in someone so young. Uh, is there someone you really want to work with or meet or? Not Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington. So bad, so bad. I mean, he's the epitome of who I want to become and follow in terms of career aspects. Um, don't you love the fact that you have not seen, like, Denzel Washington sag his pants or wield a gun in, in like, a gangster thug way? Um, unless it was Training Day, which he got nominated for and he killed and turned that into something else. You know, I think he steps outside of the box and stretches the limit for what it means to be an actor and what it means to be a black actor. Um and a movie star. And a movie star. And a respected movie star who stays out of the light, who stays out of the drama. And you just don't, you don't, you don't want to know about his drama. You know, you just want to know that he's happy and on to his next incredible work, you know. And so uh, in today's world for my generation, that's so hard to emulate and that's so hard to be with social media, with all the things that you kind of have to do now in order to get this notoriety or this whatever. It's all a game now. I would, I wish I, I was raised in the 80s or the 90s where... It was just you did the project, you got your respect, and you move on to the next project. You didn't have to worry about all the crap that goes with it. So anyway, Denzel is somebody I would love to meet and work with um, on, on, on something special, whether he's directing or he's acting in it. Um, I met Octavia Spencer, and that oh, was yeah. a goal. And so I would love to work with her now, now that we've met. She's the homegirl, too. Mm -hmm. We chop it up. We talk. So She's awesome. She's amazing. So I um, would love to work with her. Um, I would love to work with Ryan Coogler on a film. Like I would love to, to he's just a great director and um, 
Spike Lee, mm-hmm. you know, all the greats, all, all the, the greats, great. but also Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually was a big fan of him, his filmmaking. He's a weirdo with when, when it comes to the movies, and I love weirdo sort of things. And I would love to play just a really random, out-of-the-box character one time. Oh, yeah, he's but, brilliant in yeah. the worlds he creates. He and... is very brilliant, um, very risky, and that's, that's art to me, risking and going crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Well, it's... Jarell, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. When They See Us is now streaming on Netflix. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Present Company is produced by Netflix and Gimlet Creative. Join me next time for more meaningful conversations here at Present Company.